Welcome to episode number 20 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Martinez with you, the Dave Poolin episode. How about that? A nice poll on number 20. Uh, to get in touch with the podcast, you can hit us up on Twitter at Stick to Hockey Pod. You can also hit us up on our Gmail account, which will be Stick to Hockey Biz, B I Z, at gmail.com. And also uh, make sure you follow at Jason Mert, that's yours truly, at Joe Torty, uh, who will be with us for the next episode. We're going to talk to Russ Cohen in a couple of minutes. Obviously, big topic of conversation this time of year would be the NHL trade deadline, and it was uh, wild. Uh, a lot of winners, a lot of losers. We're going to talk to Russ Cohen uh, from at uh, from uh, NHL Network Radio's Hockey Prospects Radio and TSN uh, coming up momentarily. Obviously, the big deal of the day was the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning acquiring J.T. Miller and Ryan McDonough from the New York Rangers. Winners on both sides of this deal. Both teams got what they wanted. We didn't see Eric Carlson get traded. We didn't see Max Pacioretty get traded. Uh, but we did see a lot of deals around the league and some things that are certainly questionable. Rick Nash obviously goes to Boston. They signed Brian Gianta. A little bit of a head-scratcher there for me. Evander Kane gets moved to the San Jose Sharks. So a lot to get into today on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Again, uh, make sure you follow or subscribe to the show on iTunes. Do that. Lead us a, a rating and a reven- or a rating and a review rather uh, on there as well. We appreciate if you do that. If you like the podcast, get those questions in as well. We're going to have a listener question uh, episode coming up at Stick to Hockey um, Pod on Twitter to do that. So let, without further ado, joining us now on the Stick to Hockey Podcast, a return engagement. I don't know if I've had two, one guest on twice yet. Russ Cohen joins us. Russ, how you doing? Great. I'm honored. Yeah, you're the first uh, guy I brought back on twice, man. That's quite the honor for you, I'm sure. Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm gonna save this show. I'm gonna keep it someplace uh, private. Yeah, sure. Uh, you of course do hockey prospects radio on NHL Network Radio, also on TSN. Give Russ a follow on Twitter at Sportsology as well. And Russ, we got a lot to get into. It's trade deadline week. Um, we're also gonna get into some prospect talk. Look at some of the uh, maybe contenders and pretenders here. Uh, but let's get in right into it. Let's start with the trade deadline stuff. Uh, you know, you look at obviously the biggest and splash move uh, that took place on trade deadline day was the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they get J.T. Miller. They get Ryan McDonough. Is that the biggest winner out of uh, the trade deadline at this point that you kind of point to and say that could be the one that really lifts them over the top and gets them a cup? Yeah, you have to say that that's, that's the best because they had to do something to get past Pittsburgh. Now, what's really interesting is uh, a few years back, I covered a Game 7 Rangers-Pittsburgh and McDonough was part of that Game 7 win on the road to eliminate Pittsburgh. J.T. Miller was part of that, and Derek Broussard was part of that. And so they got two-thirds, and they were all key guys in that game. So they got two-thirds of that, and they probably saw that. And then, you know, you fast-forward, and Ryan McDonough actually tried to play with a broken foot Game 7 at MSG against the Lightning. I was there for that game. Then, of course, Tampa beat the Rangers because McDonough couldn't go. And now they've got, you know – both these guys that they've been battling against, and they've got <laughs> between McDonough, Miller, they also have uh, Ryan Callahan, they also have um, Anton Strahlman, and Dan Girardi. So they have a lot of those guys that had success in New York, and they have guys that had success for Tampa, and they've got McDonough for what we would call two cup runs. Yeah, two kicks at the can, know. yeah. Yeah, and so that's, that's a big deal. So as well as I thought the Rangers did on the return for that trade, Tampa did the best by getting these guys because, you know, it's the known quantity right now. 
And they have to do something to to get to the cup, and I think they did themselves well. Yeah, this is one of those good hockey trades. Both teams yeah. won, right? You know, yeah. Rangers, we know what they're doing. They're tearing it down. They yeah. get what they need and, and pick some prospects. And, you know, they and unfortunately, they weren't able to get Sergachev out of there. But that's no. Steve, Steve Eiserman was not going to part with that piece. No, and I think Steve Eiserman was, like, brilliant. I think he kept everybody tied up. I think... He kept Ken Holland tied up about Mike Green because I think that was his third choice. I keep, I think he kept Pierre Dorian tied up of Eric Carlson because that was his first choice. And then last minute, and I was on the conference call for New York with Jeff Gordon, and he did say this was a last-minute deal, even though he's been shopping McDonough for weeks. Last minute, this deal comes together. And so did Eiserman intentionally keep everybody tied up so he would get the only deal and nobody would get – Carlson and nobody would get green to sort of eliminate the competition. He may have. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is you look at this deal and you can't say that the Rangers are a loser in this deal. You no. can't put them in your, in your, you know, trade deadline loser category. You no put way. them in there as well in the winner category. They're in the winner category. Nemestikov is actually a higher skill guy than JT Miller. I think JT Miller is a good player. I think Vigneault sort of asked him to play more defensive and take out some of the grit of his game, and that's hard to do because he's a guy that really thrives on that. So I think Cooper will put that back in because he's a Cooper kind of guy, and I think that'll revive JT Miller because he was – but his hockey IQ is not fantastic. That's something that I'm sure Cooper's going to work on right away. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, Nemestikov, you know, he's, he's a center, so that's good. They need centers on that team. Miller wasn't really going to play center, at least for Vigneault, for as long as he's there. And Nemestikov, really, I mean, this is a guy who I've had some interactions with. I'm impressed with him, and I've seen a really high skill level for him. And so I think, you know, he's a guy that could get beyond 50 points with the right line mates. Now, putting him with, like, a fellow Russian like Pavel Buchnevich, that's a good start. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. Now, Libor Hacek is an interesting one because even though I was at the World Juniors, even though I saw some Czech games, I don't cover the Regina Pats, and I didn't have great intel on, on Hacek from the World Juniors. Now, he had seven points, but, and they had the second-best power play, but he, you know, in my notes, he, he wasn't fantastic. I know other people said he was. He's probably a third-line third-pairing defenseman if he makes it. I mean, that seems to be the uh, prevailing thought from people who are looking at it a little more definitively than pie in the sky. So, you know, Hotchick, you say, okay, that's fine. Even though, even though the Rangers said they wanted him in the deal, you know, that's great. I mean, that's, you know, so they got him. Brett Howden is the big piece here, though. Yeah. Uh, don't go by Quinton, his brother. He's, he's better than him. He's a big centerman. He's 6'3". He's probably going to, when he's done growing, he'll probably be around 220. He's already excellent on faceoffs. He's played for Team Canada in the World Juniors. He is a really solid two-way guy, but he's also a guy who could get gritty goals. He's also a guy that could score with his wrist shot. So, you know, he's a guy that you look at could get somewhere between 15 and 20-something goals for you as a maybe second but probably third-line center at the NHL level. That's really good. I mean, that's something where now the Rangers have added, in one deal they added two centers, in other deals, they've added defensemen. And, and Gordon basically said his game plan was, well, we already have young goalies, so he's not even counting Lundqvist because he knows this is all down the road. You know, they have Igor Sheshorkin, who uh, plays over in the KHL and was on the Olympic team for Russia. They have him. And then they have um, Adam Huska is a goalie for UConn, who's in his second year. So he could go and 
start playing in the AHL next year. So I think those are the main guys. And they have Georgiev, who I think could be a backup in the NHL. So those are the young goalies he's talking about. Now so he's they're stocked the there, yeah. Yeah, and now he's building up the defense. Now he's building down the middle. And that is what you have to do in this league. So, Well, what do they do with Lundqvist? I mean, he said he wants to stay in New York. Do you see this? I mean, that's easy to say before the pain comes. But the yeah. pain's on the way for New York, and he's not getting any younger. Um, he still has a little bit of uh, tread on the tire that he can wear off here before he eventually retires. Uh, what, is the, what is the plan here with Lundqvist? And does he make the decision that, yeah, maybe I will take a move? I don't think he'll take a move. He's got three years left. Uh, I think they're in better shape than when – when I first started covering in this business, I was covering like exclusively Rangers when Mike Richter had to go through some really bad teams until he got the skull fracture. And in a way that Richter didn't have to deal with some really bad teams down the road, that, that was a positive of that, if there is a positive of getting an injury like that, because it still bothers him to this day. But, but the fact that he didn't have to deal with those teams was probably a small, small positive, because now Lundquist is going to have to deal with teams with not very good defense and maybe – half prospects, half you know, seat fillers. And, but I think he's going to do it because I think they're expecting next year to be another you know, buy-off year, get high in the draft, and maybe that next year start to show something, and the year after the last year of his deal really do something. Yeah. I think that's what their plan is. They're not going to say it because Jeff Gordon didn't say that. But I think because of the way it's, it's falling with Lundquist there, I think that's what the uh, thinking is. And I think at that point it still could work out. I mean, you know, if you go back to the old St. Louis Blues, they had uh, Jacques Plan in there at, at the age of 40. Yeah. I'm not saying Lundqvist at the age of 40 is going to get to the uh, Stanley Cup, but you never know. Yeah, and the, and the other interesting thing is, you know, with that team, is it, it's a rebuild on the fly. They're going to try and do what the Bruins did, sort of what the Flyers did. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's, it's really difficult to do, and, and they don't have a deep and prospect the Leafs, pool. Too. Yeah, and, and, the, and the Leafs, too. Yeah, at least a little more pain for the Leafs uh, than maybe the Flyers and, and the Bruins, but nonetheless. All right, let's get on yeah. to another winner. We're going to get to the losers coming up because there's plenty. Yeah. Uh, looking at the San Jose Sharks, one of the big names that was out there and talked about widely, and it comes with some baggage, is Evander Kane. Uh, they end up getting a, a conditional first-round pick. Jason Botterill couldn't even get a number one pick in return. Um, you know, and that, that's with the baggage of Evander Kane. And if he resigns out in San Jose, but this is a good fit for Kane. If anything's a good fit, it's a good fit. The best thing that makes it a good fit is that San Jose is a boring city. I've been there. There's not that much going on, and there's not much trouble for him to get into. Even Buffalo had probably more trouble to get into than San Jose. So he's been good, though. He, nothing's really happened with him for, like, the last year. So in that part, it's good. In the other part, he's in a slump. Yeah. Like he, he started out great. Out of, yeah. He needs to get out of the slump. He started out of the blocks great. This is a guy who should be getting, you know, 60, 75 points a year, and he's getting like 45. So, but for a playoff run, I think this is good. I think San Jose will get something out of him. Be interesting to see who they pair him up with. Will they put him with a guy like Pavelski to sort of get him going? Maybe. And, and maybe that's what you want to do is sort of get him, get him started, start feeding the puck. But it does give him a guy with size and speed and who could be very dangerous. You know, I'm, the part that they guy they gave up, Danny O'Regan, it's interesting because he's a BU guy. And, you know, there was always this talk, funny talk, that um, Jack Eichel was the uh, GM of the Sabres, right? Mm -hmm. And so now the Sabres have three BU guys because they have Jack Eichel, they have Danny O'Regan, and they have Evan Rodriguez, and they all played together at BU. Wow. 
<laughs> so that plays into that Eichel thing really well. Oh, man. Well, you look at this deal, too. Uh, did the Sabres do okay in this deal? I mean, did they do okay yeah. at the deadline? Because they didn't move Robin Leonard. They didn't move Josh Georges. Um, they still have a lot of uh, players there that uh, did not perform well this season. Uh, I thought this maybe would be a year that they would start to kind of turn the corner, but we're not seeing that. No, I think, look, Tim Murray left him in a bad way. Yeah. A really bad way. So I, I think it's and Jason Botterill has got work to do to really turn the corner. But I think they've started. They had to. The biggest thing is they had to move Kane out because you don't want him around young players. The work ethic isn't great. The snarkiness isn't great. And that rubs off on some of the young players. Now that he is gone, it instantly improves at least things for Phil Housley in the locker room. And that's, that's a big deal. Uh, how do you look at this deal where they said uh, Thomas Tatar and uh, Ken Holland gets three picks for Thomas Tatar? Amazing. This, that's stunning, isn't it? It's a Jedi mind trick. It really is. Considering this is one of the great trades of deadline history, if you think about it, because they move a guy with a lot of salary. I mean, this is a guy with more salary than, than, than points. And, and they get a first and they get a second in 2019, but the third is 2021. But still, who cares? They get a first, second, and third. I mean, no, this is a great deal, and they clear off the ledger, which is something that Detroit wants to do because Detroit wants to make some big moves in the offseason. They're going to probably, if Tavares is out there, they'll at least make an offer for him, and, who, you know, we'll see who else. But they're going to, they're going to spend some money. They've got a new arena, arena and – they're going to want to spend money. So this deal was a great return for Ken Holland. I know they didn't trade Green. Hey, you know what? They'll probably trade his rights at the draft for like a third rounder or a fourth rounder or something like that for a team that really wants to sign him, and they'll get that pick then. And then in the draft, they'll have a lot to choose from, and that's good for them. That's, that's exactly what Detroit needs to do right now. Well, let me ask you real quick about uh, you know, the situation with Green. Did he shoot down the deal to go to Toronto? I heard he didn't want to go. I don't think officially we've heard that, but I think, yeah, I think that that's what happened. Well, that's amazing, right? Uh, well, well, we've seen, like, Vinny LeCavier did not want to go to Montreal. Yeah, there's a lot of baggage in that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've won two Stanley Cups. They're looking to make it three, which is would be a feat uh, unto itself at this point. Um, of course, uh, Jim Rutherford, he's a wheeler and dealer. He makes moves. He makes his team better every year and puts him in position to do it. And he's got a couple of the best players on the planet, and Crosby and obviously uh, – Getting Malkin having a great year. He goes out and gets Derek Broussard. What do you think of this deal? This is good for them. Uh, get your third line center. Yeah, and I talked about Broussard a few minutes ago, and he is a decent playoff performer. Uh, the fact that they could get a center of, of his caliber is amazing. Uh, look, we we knew that the Penguins w- would be in this mix, even if they limped into the playoffs. We knew that they'd probably resemble the Kings of like 2012, where they'd still be the most dangerous team in the East. And they still are because they still have Crosby. They still have Malkin. Uh, Matt Murray needs to stay healthy. But even, even then, they still have Jerry. And, and, you know, they have enough. They do. Chris Letang is back. They didn't even have Chris Letang at times. So the fact that they could three-peat, I don't, here's the one thing. The way this league is right now, because of the cap and because of the there's more have-nots than there used to be, uh, because teams now are, are just looking to, to regain assets rather than sort of slug it out for maybe a chance at that last playoff spot. I got to believe this year has been the easiest year for Jim Rutherford to make a deal to try and three-peat. I think it was harder for him last year to make deals 
to get that second one. I think now to, to get the third one, at least to be in position for it, seems easier, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think he's he's well-tooled to, to get it done once again, as scary yeah. as that is. It is. It is scary. And, boy, if that happens, what will NBA people say? Because, you know, they, they like these dynasties, and, and I hated the dynasty. I'm, I'm an old-school guy. I know you're a pretty old-school guy. I hated the dynasty talk of, like, when people were saying, well, the Blackhawks are a dynasty. But it's like, no, for me, dynasty is consecutive wins. I get that they're dominant because they're, they're winning and then they're not and they're winning and winning and, you know, whatever the, the formula. But to me, it's consecutive wins. If they do three here, I mean, again, well, Pat Riley will make money, right, because they'll be three-peating and he'll make money on the shirts because he's yep. got the trademark. <laughs> but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, other sports are going to have to talk about hockey because it would be an amazing feat. Yeah, in a league that has got so much parity and where an eight seed can get to a cup final yeah. and win the Stanley Cup. I mean, look at it. Yeah. It would have been the 16th seed last year is who they beat in Nashville. It's amazing. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we could say right now there is a chance that the Vegas Golden Knights could win the Stanley Cup. There is a chance. Yep. I'm not telling you it's a great chance. But if they did that, name me any other sport, anything, even a middling sport, where an expansion team, a first-year expansion team, won a championship. I mean, you probably have to go. It would probably be some curling team, some club curling team or something. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, let's look at Winnipeg real quick. They end up getting yep. uh, Paul Stastny. Uh, I saw the comments from Braden Shen and uh, a lot of the Blues players not happy uh, that he was dealt. Not only that, but in the division, Winnipeg yep. makes out in this deal big time. They do. This is an interesting trade for a couple of reasons. The, now, with Stastny... I felt like he was an anchor for St. Louis, but he's a good guy in the room. So obviously he is a leader. Players like him. But I think Armstrong looked and didn't see production. His production has been dropping. And I never thought that that contract was good for the kind of production he gave. I always felt like he had a career year. Now, I I still think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I just think he was overpaid for what he is. But getting dealt to Winnipeg, it doesn't matter for Winnipeg. They gained something important. They, They gained a center with playoff experience, to work with these youngsters, and they have a lot of youngsters, I think this is a great trade. And Kevin Shevardayoff does actually come on our prospect show because he really is a prospect guy, too. And it's interesting because he's got a reputation for sort of standing pat and not doing much. And people in Winnipeg were, were losing it yesterday. Like, I saw, I saw things, like, tweets like, I got to go get a smoke. Like, they didn't know what to do. Yeah, they're they satisfied. They success. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing. Now, the Eric Foley thing is really interesting because he plays for, for Providence. He is going to probably sign this year now with, with St. Louis. Winnipeg probably got the gist that he didn't want to play for him. He's only two years into his college career now. So now, because of Will Butcher and guys like that, Jimmy VC. GMs are preemptively trading guys now that aren't even signed just because they don't think they could sign them anymore out of college. So I yeah. think next CBA, we're going to see a change in that. I think this is the start of it. protection, yeah. Yeah, a little more protection on that because if you're going to draft a college guy, 
boy, if you have to start trading these guys because you get a feeling they want to go free agent, then you got to fix the system. Yeah, and there's that loophole sitting there, that, and we've seen it, it happen a few times. Uh, yep. Let's talk about the Devils, another winner. Um, yep. To me, this was maybe a little premature of them in their uh, evolution uh, rebuilding here, but uh, they grab, they get Michael Grabner, and they get Patrick Maroon. Now, I, look, to have a big body in the playoffs is always good. Maroon's not the most fleet-of-foot player, to say the right. least, but he can play with speedy players. He had a lot of success with Connor McDavid. David, uh, how do you look at this Grabner and Patrick Maroon uh, acquisition for New Jersey? Well, Grabner's great for them because of the speed factor. Like, you could put him with anybody. You could put him with Taylor Hall. You could put him with Heeshear. You could put him with Zaka. So that works, right? You'll find someone to put him with. So that part's great, and, and he also is, is tremendous on the PK, and we know about the empty net goals. Now, when it starts getting down to crunch time and you're in the playoffs, you need a guy who can bury empty net goals, and because he has that speed, that, that gives you an extra sort of weapon. Patrick Maroon's interesting because I think on the Devils, yeah, he is going to be probably a second or third line guy, maybe even standing in front of the net on the power play, and he will get some of those kinds of goals that they're going to need to get down the stretch here to get into the playoffs. And if they get in the playoffs, they're going to be dangerous. Corey yeah. Schneider's, you know, getting healthy, and they have a young but much improved defense. I mean, when they picked up Sammy Vatten, and that really, really helped them. And now they've improved their offense a lot. I mean, this is this is big. I mean, Ray Shiro is going to be up for GM of the year. And look what he's done in a short amount of time. Like we saw it starting to happen at the beginning of this year. You know, and now we really see it. You know, guys like Jesper Bratt and, and all these other things that have sort of fallen into place. Great job by him. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's turn to the losers. And uh, there's plenty here as well. Uh, I mean, the big name that was out there, and a lot of people were trying to get in on this sweepstakes for Eric Carlson. Uh, they're unable to move uh, Carlson out of Ottawa. Um, you look. They did make some moves. They did shed some of the players and maybe set themselves up to try and sign Eric Carlson in the offseason. I get the sense right. he doesn't want to be there. Will they get a bigger haul in the offseason when more teams can get involved, or was this a missed opportunity for Pierre Dorian? Uh, I think they're going to try and get a big haul to draft. I know they've still put out the uh, overture that maybe uh, if he's still here, we'll try and re-sign him too. But I think that's just to build his value. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think the owner wants him out. I think he wants out. Uh, I don't know if that Uber stuff is real. But whatever reason, there does seem to be some, some animosity there. So I think the draft is the perfect time because if you're Ottawa with Eric Carlson, you can draft somewhere probably – between two and five, even if you're not there based on the lottery system, and then have a couple of really high picks and get some players back too. So I always felt like they would get more for him at the draft, but I also felt like the same thing with McDonough, that if someone wants to get two kicks at it, then they might, they might be able to move him here. They didn't, but I think that was because of Eisenman. So the next best thing is moving at the draft. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that didn't go, and I get the feeling he wants out as well, is the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, Max Pacioretty. Uh, Mark Bergevin obviously uh, has a lot of work to do in Montreal. And he doesn't have a cupboard full of good prospects along the way. He's no. got a, a, an anchor of a contract in both Shea Weber for, I believe, seven more years. And uh, yep. the Carey Price deal kicks in next year. Yeah. Uh, moving Pacioretty seemed to me like an obvious thing to do to start to try and restock that. He didn't get it done. No, and it seems like Pacioretty's sort of relieved, though, that it didn't happen because I guess it was causing you know problems with the family, just not knowing. I don't really have a good feel whether he really wants out or not. Actually, 
after a recent Flyers game when the Flyers beat him, you know, he talked about the fragility of his team, and I actually thought that that's refreshing for a captain to do that. Now, maybe, maybe Claude Julian doesn't like that, and, and maybe Mark Bergevin doesn't like that, but I, I think it's good that he does that because you have to do that at the end of the season because you can't just sort of say, oh, yeah, we're still in it until you're mathematically eliminated and then just say, oh, it was just a bad year. So I think there's still – I mean, he showed that he could still play, right? When he was first being talked about – I think that was to light a fire under him. The fire was lit. He got back to scoring. He definitely has value. He'll definitely get shopped at the draft. Whether he moves, I don't know. I'm not 100% on that. You like the Placanix deal? No. I didn't either. No. no, I mean, he's too soft. I think this is just to placate Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock is, is, has been saying at press conferences that he needs help. <laughs> You know, you got to do Babcock something, says, right? Yeah, yeah. And when he tells him that, like, like last year with Boyle, and when he's when he's telling Lou and Shani to do something, they sort of have to do it, just because they're looking for. They know the ultimate prize is not coming this year, but they have to keep him going, right? They've got to keep him totally in it, totally engaged, totally working the team. And so, if this is what the coach says, we got to get. You know, he's he's the most powerful coach in hockey. They got to get it. So they did. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't know if it's going to make that much of a difference. It's at least bringing in a veteran, but I don't think he's going to start a fire there. I, I just Placanic, I think, is done. Uh, one other one here when we're talking about uh, trade deadline losers, and, and I look at this as one of the bigger ones, to be honest with you, because of what they didn't do. And I know they signed Josh Bailey, but the New York Islanders, this seems like a, a ship right now that's kind of adrift. Uh, they didn't listen to offers on Tavares. He, uh, we know his pending UFA status. Uh, what are they doing? And does this, do, you know, this kind of inaction, does it cause him to, for pause to say, I want to stay here? He's going to be splitting games between Brooklyn and, and the Nassau County Coliseum. I mean, this is just yeah. a bizarre situation. It is. It's, you know, I'm from Long Island. It's been bizarre for many, many years. Uh, look, they got Brandon Davidson, so now they got a bottom pairing guy. Okay, great. They trade Jason Shamira for. <laughs> For Chris Wagner, and and Wagner's not a bad player. He's an average to below average guy. He'll he'll play fourth line. I don't know why they signed Jason Shamira to a two year deal to begin with, mm-hmm. and then they have to sort of clean up that mistake by moving him out. None of that made sense anyhow. A lot of what Garth does doesn't make sense. But so far, we don't know that ownership is unhappy with him. That's the thing about it is he he doesn't move assets. He's got them sold on. We got to keep our assets and build. He extended Bailey, who is probably the best friend of, of John Tavares on the team, so that certainly can't hurt. They still have a chance to make the playoffs, although with that offense, you wish they'd had better goaltending. They did, I guess, make their defense a little better with Davidson, but not a lot better. I think getting people back from injury will help them more than Davidson will. But at the end of the day, Garth did not do anything that he should. I mean, if nothing else... I would have looked at this goaltending and said, "I got to move out one of these contracts. Let me, let me. Even though he likes Halak, if I could improve on Halak, let me just move him out now. Get something for him because I had him in the AHL last year. Right? Yeah. I mean, with, with the three salary. goalie monster that he was, it was yeah. what's going on with the Grice, and it's just a mess. It's a mess. And if he could have upgraded in net like the Flyers did, he should have done it. He didn't, so so now you're in this situation. I kind of wonder. I'd love to be a, a fly on the wall." After the season ends, pre-draft, 
when ownership is talking to Garth and he's given their plan, because I'd like to hear what that is. Yeah, you and a lot of other people, and I'm sure Todd Tavares as well. Uh, they're yeah. four points out of the final wild card spot right now in the Eastern Conference. All right, that's the trade deadline stuff. Let's look at the, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big guy that believes trade deadline is going to do something that puts you over t- the top to win a cup. Now, that being said, what Tampa Bay did was pretty extravagant, to or say the least. what about like Doyle Alexander for the Tigers? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> or what Goring, about... Butch Goring for the Islanders. Yeah, 1980. Yeah. That may have been the last time, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just not something that, you know, you, there is a chemistry thing in the room, and when you're dealing with uh, teams with 20 games left and then a playoff, it, it, it's something that it doesn't come together very often. But you can get some depth. But let's look at, the, you know, when you're looking at some uh, contenders and pretenders here in, in the Eastern Conference, we know that Tampa Bay is obviously a massive contender and with what they did. Uh, the Toronto and Boston, Boston I, certainly is a contender, but is Toronto a team that can come out of the Eastern Conference? I don't think so. I think Boston's going to beat him. I think that Austin Matthews will return from his shoulder uh, separation, his grade two shoulder separation. But I've never had one of those. But I understand from people who have, he's not going to be 100% the rest of the year. Yeah, he won't have the strength in that shoulder that he's going to no. need. No, and he, and you know, look, the kind of game he plays, like he can score from other places, but now he's probably going to look to score more down low, but then he can't get too banged up down low. So I think it's going to definitely change the way he plays for those last whatever games he gets in there before the playoffs. So, no, I don't think they're advancing beyond the first round. But right now, considering their plan, I think they're still okay with that. But they won't say that. Yeah, and he's going to have to become a little bit more of a perimeter player. Yeah just, yeah, just because of that, by virtue. All right, let's look yeah. at the Metro, because uh, this has been a weird division this year. This is just a crazy division. I mean, it is wild when you look at the, you know, the separation from the top to the bottom and, and the way it's played out. And now all of a sudden, out of the blue, a team that was in the basement, the Philadelphia Flyers, not long ago, they've ascended all the way to the top spot in this division with no games in hand, no teams have games in hand on them. Right. And they're sitting at the top above now Washington and Pittsburgh. Uh, can, first of all, the Flyers finish in that top spot, because that's a paramount importance. They can finish in the top spot, but the red herring is, and it's not for now, is these overtime wins and or losses. The ROW. Yes, because right now that's keeping them in that spot. You know, what what bugs me about the three-on-three is it really doesn't resemble hockey like you'd like it to. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, that doesn't happen in the playoffs. I kind of wish, I told people this, I kind of wish – that there would be like an asterisk for these goals that are scored in in overtime because I think it's so much easier to score a goal in overtime on three on three than it was the in the old days when it's five on five. And so far there hasn't been enough evidence that it's helping someone in their career, but there are some guys that get four, five, six goals that way a year. And they're all you off know, the rush. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or it, tired it's legs or bad changes. Yep. Exactly. I mean, you saw last night the Flyers couldn't get off the ice. No. I mean, Claude Drew could have had a breakaway, but he had yeah. nothing left. Nothing. I mean, he, there was no chance. He was trying to go towards the puck and his, with his stick on his knees. <laughs> There's no yeah. way to skate. But, but Mrazek was great, and, and the one thing I could say that this gives the Flyers the best chance to stay in that spot is the fact that Mrazek right now is going to get to play a lot of games, which he wants to. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think they'll dare change him out for Elliott again. I, I really don't think Dave Haxtell will do that when Elliott comes back. Because at the end of the day, Mrazek's always been a better goalie than Elliott. It just got bad for him in Detroit. He needed to change the scenery. He got to change the scenery, and he's sort of showing what he was a couple of years ago. 
and he's just got a better glove than Elliott. And I think at the end of the day, I would only use Elliott for a couple of games, three games, down the stretch maybe, something like that to give Morazic breaks. But otherwise, keep him in there, let him play a lot of games. The advantage of the Flyers' schedule to only two back-to-backs where before yeah. Elliott comes back where they may have to go with Alex Lyon out of Yale University. And obviously that first-round matchup between Washington and Pittsburgh would be uh, very intriguing, that two versus three in the Metro. Would, would anybody – Pick Washington. That's the question. Anybody? I, some people will. The contrarians. Okay. <laughs> you know the people that say, it. "Well, they got to beat them eventually." I'm not going to pick them, though. I'll tell you that. No, I'm not either. Uh, wild card teams here in the Eastern Conference. Any of these teams have a chance to make noise? We brought up New Jersey, who's got the the number one wild card spot right now with 72 points on the season, and Columbus holding down that other spot and and belted Washington uh, for, on the trade deadline evening. Uh, any of these two teams make some noise here in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think Columbus can make some noise. I, you know, they got Latestu, who is a guy they can use in a lot of different spots. Is he a superstar? No, but 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 he's useful. So so they got him. They got Ian Cole. Ian Cole is definitely a guy you could use. And at the end of the day, they'll move him in somewhere. They'll have an extra guy now for, to, to come in there if there's injury. That helps him. Bob's been playing great, even in that loss to Philly. How good was he in that no, game? No, unreal. No, so I mean, I, I don't. There's no worry there. And actually, Sonny Milano came back yesterday. Again, you know I'm from Long Island, so I'm always going to mention these guys. But he scored right away. And he is one of their best goal scorers. But, again, something is going on between him and John Tortorella. And you know what? Sometimes a guy's not going to play a 200-foot game. But sometimes a guy could just score. And that's a team that needs scoring. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois is just he's playing great. Oh, he's amazing. He's a big body, too. And when I saw him in the locker room, he's even more chiseled than he used to be. Like, he is a scary, scary guy. You never know what a young guy like that might do in the playoffs. So I think there's still a real wild card in this wild card race. And New Jersey's got to be looking over their shoulder. And, you know, right now they're in that spot. I don't know if the Islanders are catching them. Carolina, I don't think so. And now Florida, who does have four games in hand, they're the ones that could. But I'm surprised Florida was really quiet. I really thought they were going to do something. And maybe they were in on McDonough, and that's it. You know, Chris Pronger's their ASGM now. I saw him at the Five Nations. So it didn't shock me that they got in there on McDonough because I, I have a feeling it was probably some of his doing. But end of the day, you know, Luongo's back. You never know. But I don't think a lock's going to change in the wild card. I don't. Yeah. Okay, Western Conference. And you look at the, you're looking at the Central right now, and Nashville looks poised right now for the playoffs. Uh, they make yeah. a, you know, they get Fisher back. They make a deal. They get Hartman. Uh, that team right now uh, probably going to win that Central Division. And, yeah. uh, you know, Winnipeg, obviously, this is going to get boiled down maybe to a second-round matchup. But um, it's going to be interesting coming out of the Central. It will. I mean, Nashville – We'll definitely get to the conference finals. I, I, I believe that. I picked Anaheim to get to the cup. I'm going to stick with it because if I believe they're one of those teams that if they just get in it, will be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what, to what extent Gibson's injury is, but it's always – Well, Ryan Miller's given him great minutes. But, but Miller's given him great minutes, and that's what I said last year was, hey, they at least got Miller as insurance. I was worried about Miller being like the backup, though, because I didn't know if he'd really want to do that. But, they, you know, he's gotten in enough games where he's probably happy, so – he could even be the guy that leads him down the stretch. It's possible. So I still think Anaheim will make noise. The Kings are so dangerous right now. Yeah, they get Carter back. He gets his first goal. Yeah, Jeff Carter is back. They made moves. They got rid of Gabrick. Quick is playing great. Ah, boy. I mean, they, 
Ayafalo, they put in a college free agent, and he looks great, right? Like, only the Kings can get away with this stuff. Even getting and, something out of Phaneuf. <laughs> yeah, they're getting a lot out of Phaneuf. He's getting goals for him again, maybe because he's close to home. This is one of the best scouting teams out there, so like pro and amateur. And then, you know, you look at what John Stevens is doing. I mean, we always like John Stevens as, from an X's and O's basis. He's always liked Jeff Carter. There's no question about that. He always favored Jeff Carter, even in Philly. So You're going back to the Phantoms, even. Going back to the Phantoms. And so, yeah, you look at it and you say, boy, the Kings are dangerous. You know, Dallas, I thought, would do something. But then I realized Ken Hitchcock wields a lot of power there. He really does. Jim Nill's a great GM, and he's a great guy. But ownership brought Ken Hitchcock back. I'm pretty sure of that. Like, they wanted him. Yeah. And so I think Ken Hitchcock got the owner's ear. And if Hitch liked his team and just said, hey, only something minor or nothing at all, then he believes he's got the right team. I think he's got them playing right. So they'll still be dangerous, too. Calgary could upset the apple cart a little bit. And sure, someone like Anaheim could still drop out, or even San Jose. I mean, San Jose is not a guaranteed lock yet. Yeah. So the West is actually more skewed than the East. And I thought at the beginning of the year it would have been the opposite. And at the beginning of the year, you know, all the talk was, well, everything's coming out of the Metro, and it still looks like it might be, but now it's all different teams. Yeah, this is, this it's upside down. Crazy. Yeah. It is. It's upside down. This is a crazy hockey se- season. It really is. Yeah, and it's been intriguing in a lot of ways. St. Louis, a team on the outside looking in now after a great start to the yeah, season. Yeah, Jake Allen's not been pulling it for them. Yeah, that, that's been their issue. Carter Hutton has performed well, but not consistent enough. And once again, goaltending haunting the Blues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and again, they didn't make a move in that direction. So maybe just the shakeup is what they're hoping will get things going. They certainly have good enough offense and defense. I don't like their chances as much as I did earlier in the year because I, I'm not a huge Jake Allen guy, and now that he's playing like Jake Allen of a couple of years ago, it's trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Colorado with Team Nathan McKinnon uh, comes back from the injury, but he has been sensational this year. The distraction of Duchesne is gone. Uh, is McKinnon a Hart Trophy oh, yeah. ballot guy? He's got to be, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was on my ballot already and will continue to stay there. He is just a beast. I mean, I, I, I watched him in juniors. I went to a game where uh, I forget where it was. It was somewhere in, in Quebec, and, you know, his team won, and they got booed, and they threw stuff on the ice, and he was just laughing about it. He goes, yeah, this happens a lot in this league, and that's fine, and he's a classy guy. And then he sort of got lost in the mix there because of what happened last year, and, you know, it was Bednar's first year, and it was really the hangover of Patrick Waugh. Yeah, and I think when he abruptly gotten, left, yeah. Yeah, and I th- and yes, <laughs> abruptly is a good word. Yeah. And I think now that they've gotten past that, they're back to contending. Yeah. Will they get in? I don't know, but at least, look, Miko Ranta's a beast, right? He's got 20 mm-hmm. goals. They have a lot more going on defensively than they did last year, and I think Bednar's system is working. He did win a, a Calder Cup. They're still dangerous. They might be more dangerous than St. Louis because of Nathan McKinnon, because he is having a, an amazing year. Like, speed through the neutral zone, fastest guy that way in that, in that setting 
in the NHL. I, I don't think anybody touches them. Yeah, and, and they've gotten good goaltending, even with Varlamov off. They, they yes. get great performances out of Bernier, nonetheless, too. Yeah, Bernier, that was a hell of a pickup. It really was. Yeah, and, and he's earned his income for sure. All right, yeah. so l- real quick, let's look at the heart real quick. Who do you have as your, your nominees right now? Obviously, Kucherov's a guy uh, just got injured, but uh, he's a guy that's going to be in that conversation. Um, do, do you run into a situation with Kucherov because of Stamkos and you know no. fracturing his vote, or is he just kind of the leader in the clubhouse? No, it's it's Kucherov. I I still think I think he's the leader. I think McKinnon's there. Uh, you know, if, if I I had Giroux in there, and I think I'd keep him in there because he's 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 having a great year now. What I, what I scoff at, and I know you're going to take heat no matter what, right? Because you always take heat if you talk about Giroux. I don't talk about him as much, but. He, I, I sort of bristle when they're saying, well, he's had a bounce-back year. Like, last year wasn't that terrible. It was just not up to Claude Giroux's standards, and I think that's the problem is when you have to live up to your own standards. So, no, Giroux's in there, too. You know, that's a good three. Uh, beyond that, I'd have to really think about it. Will you consider Malkin know. in there, or is he going to get fractured no. because of Crosby? Yeah, they, I think they're going to cancel each other out this year. Like, of those three, I don't think there's anybody else that I feel like right this moment – would take it from them, but we'll see. Yeah, and if, if Calgary can get in, Kucherov or uh, Goudreau rather could be in the mix. Goudreau is in my in my list of five, and he probably stays in there. But I think he's dropping as Calgary is dropping. Yeah. Well, what about the Selkie? Where are you leaning here? Uh, obviously, Bergeron's had just another just magical year, and he's he's going to be on that ballot whether you know he has a good year or not. Andre Kopitar as well, big bounce back offensive year yeah. at a Kopitar. I mean, he's got twenty six or yeah twenty six goals on the season, forty two assists, sixty eight points. Um, who do you look at here? And you got to consider maybe Sean Couturier in this conversation. Yeah, Couturier was in my list of five. Bergeron was the leader. Kopitar is there. I think it's one of those three. And if Bergeron were to stay out for a while, it could be Couturier. I mean, he is having a fantastic year. I I can't tell you how many Twitter fights I had last year with people just dumping on him because they just felt like he was just in this defensive center role and was never going to break out of it. And I said, look, he may never be the scorer that he was in junior hockey, but give this guy a chance. I mean, it's all about line mates, too. I mean, even the way And situation. Yeah. Yeah, and situation and opportunity. Uh, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of first power play opportunity before this year, if any. So I look at it and I say, you know what? He always covers the other team's best and has doing, is doing a great job, and his team is in first place. So I think it's right now, I, even above Kobitar, I think it could be between Couturier and Bergeron. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to see the offensive numbers he's put up. Uh, yeah. Your Norris lean right now, it's been a little bit of a different year. Some of the biggest names, uh, maybe not in the mix right now for the Norris, but who's your top three guys that you got to consider for the Norris? Well, I, I, I think in my mind it's still Klingberg, but he's clinging. He hasn't done as well lately, and I, I felt like he was really underrated. I think Gosta Spear is right there. And I think Drew Doughty is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the amount of minutes that Drew Doughty logs, I can't worry about how many points, but he does everything else. And there's not another GM in the league that wouldn't want Drew Doughty and put right him, put him right in as their as their best defenseman, even Ottawa. What? So uh, I think those are the the three. Uh, when you look at the Jack Adams, is this even a race? Does Gallant Gerard Gallant just have the? Yeah, he well, he's already it's one right. Yeah, mail it in. It's yeah. it's over. You just worry about the next year because every time somebody wins with Jack Adams, yeah, you get, they you, usually lose their job. I think Gallant is safe though, no matter what. Yeah, he's not going to be waiting for a cab outside of uh, T-Mobile no. Arena. No, no, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, that was just really bad form. And you got to consider what the Florida Panthers gave to the Vegas Golden Knights is stunning. 
when well, you yeah, look at Gallant, March Lewis, or so. Yeah. Well, forget about March or so, too. Scott Luce was a great director of amateur scouting mm-hmm. and fantastic at drafting there. They let him go, too, because they were just like, eh, <laughs> you know, we got our new analytics guys. You know, we don't really need you. Dale Talon, we're going to bump you up into, you know, like a president's position, and we don't need to hear from you. And losing Scott Luce was everything because they let him go before the draft. Wow, amazing! Um, any any new uh, anybody sliding up the board on the uh, for the NHL entry draft coming up in uh, July uh, or June? Nobody's right now. I have Kachuk sliding to second. I think maybe that's the mm. the biggest behind to me because I look. Darlene is, is one. He's going to be one. I don't think there's any. The only way around it is if one and two make a deal. Just because, you know, Chu isn't going to take Darlene, that's the only way that he doesn't get drafted first overall. Otherwise, he's getting drafted first overall. And then you are going to have Svechnikov and Zadina mixing it up. And it's interesting because they're two completely different players. Svechnikov has more size. Zadina has maybe a little better shot. But, boy, I'll tell you, that those two and really two through five, you know, Quinn Hughes, the uh, defenseman out of Michigan's right in that mix, too. So I think that's where we're still standing. But I like Kachuk second. I just think NHL transferable skills is the uh, phrase for him. Well, it'll be interesting to see if there's two frozen envelopes, one in there with a Rangers yeah. logo and one with a Montreal Canadiens logo. <laughs> 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 Come the, the draft lottery uh, a little bit later this year. Um, r- real quick, um, guys that can uh, jump into the NHL next year, uh, anybody uh, in regards to th- that's really going to wow next year that you've seen in junior this year that's going to really jump in and, and, and get off to a great flying start? You know, I I do look at, at Morgan Frost, and he is a young kid, and he's got 98 points. I kind of wonder if he wowed him in camp, would they really consider it? I think if he were to put on like 10 pounds of muscle between now and then or at least five to seven, I think it might have to consider it because – he is just dominating the junior level to the point where he can't grow his game there, you know? Well, I mean, you, you could always grow it. Like I, I, I never believe that like, you know, the same re I always think a guy can go back and even Hextel felt that way. And, and has said that in the past, but Hextel has also said, if a guy can wow you, then maybe. So I look at Frost and I think, yeah, he, he is a guy that could do that. I don't know if there's any others that I have right off the top of my head. I'd really have to look at it. Yeah. Uh, Carter Hart is having a, a legendary year for the Albert Silver Tips. His he'll numbers be AHL. Are, yeah, he's the AHL bound. And yeah, he is, um, but he is in a high scoring league. He's been really impressive. Oh, no, he's, he's, he's going to you know, sweep the board for everything. And uh, that's a guy I was completely right on. But goaltending's hard, right? Yeah. I also thought Al Montoya would be a beast. And he was a good NHLer. Mm-hmm. He is a good NHL backup. But. You know, there was something about Hart mentally. I always, you know, felt like he had this brain that was better than most goalies. And when I interviewed him, he seemed smarter than me, which is good, and then smarter than a lot of other goalies, too. So I think that really helps, too, because, you know, there's a lot of geometry and everything else that's involved in that position, and he seems to really have a handle on it. Yeah, and there's a lot of adjustment that you need to take place uh, as people get a book on you, no question about it. Hey, Russ, uh, follow Russ on Twitter, at Sportsology, uh, from NHL Network uh, Radio, the Hockey Prospects Radio Show, also on TSN. Man, we appreciate it. You just brought a ton of knowledge to the podcast, and we appreciate your time today. No, I appreciate it, too. It's fun.